0: Hey everyone, welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone de Rochefort, and I am joined tonight by Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable.com, and Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. They are joining me in the sick house that is my life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Whoa. Sorry, that was like halfway into Whoa. like a fiction novel. Yeah, I'm picking wow. up where we left off
0: last week, or maybe it was where I left off with isometric last week, where it, I made it weird. It got yeah. weird.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that, Chris. Uh, yeah. thanks for that, Chris. Yeah, thanks for that, Simone. I'm tired today.
2: <laughs> we're all help? tired today. Yes, I'm like, we're all yeah, zoned. It, we're it, zoned. It, it, It's one of those days.
0: I've it been is. I've been nursing people back to health with my bare hands for three days. So frankly, I am a hero. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah, but but that's are you, just where I'm at. But
2: but, but are you an hero? Oh. <laughs>
1: oh.
2: I'm sorry. I just had to bring you some
0: trollish memes here. It was fun. You did. Leave. Go now. <laughs> Leave now and never come back. That was my Gollum impression.
1: So, Christina, before we start the show today, we have to tell everybody you were on CNN today. And I was. You killed it. You Thank absolutely you. killed it. You killed it. Do you, do you want how many to people, people about did you kill that? when you
2: were on CNN? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was good. I was on uh, with a uh, newsroom with Carol Carol uh, Costello and mm-hmm. I was talking about the Hillary Clinton email scandal. And they brought me on basically from the tech perspective. They wanted to know what I thought originally we were going to talk about. Can the FBI actually recover these emails? But when mm-hmm. I was actually on the show, we were talking about things even more basic, like how do you erase a server? And then how can you recover stuff? And so I was explaining some of that, but. It went really well, and I felt like I made some really good points. One being... I think the biggest problem with this is whatever, you know, Hillary Clinton did, wh- whether it was right or wrong, whatever that your position is, I think that the lack of transparency is leading people to assume the worst. And so mm. e- because it's a technical topic, then people get really creeped out even more than they might if it were something else. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if she would announce, look, this is how things were secured, this is how things were set up, then the security community could audit it and either say this was okay or this wasn't. And that would, you know, make a lot of people feel better
1: yeah but yeah. but I thought
2: maybe my strongest point was at the end when I pointed out, look, you know regardless of whether you think she should have had her own private server or not, regardless of 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 you know whether they feel like they have all the the emails or not, um the fact of the matter is is that the White House's email system has been compromised this year um, in some very serious breaches, so if there was classified information being spread over email. Whether it was to her server or on the White House or anything else, that's a much bigger problem and a much bigger question that goes beyond just you know what she was doing because clearly the White House can't even secure their email
1: systems yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i i do have to admit though, seeing you on cnn today my my first thought was wow christina pulls off like bright red a lot better than <laughs> i thought she would be able to well, Of course, she she's does. so pale so that was it i felt bad because of, like you're talking about all this important tactical stuff and you're just between, like oh she's, like, she's, I was, she's okay in red cool yeah, <laughs> yeah wow that's really interesting i wouldn't have thought that. you and you're so. judging women by their looks <laughs> no it's like
0: uh, i'm not judging I'm no not judging. yeah no yes, you are yes, you were yes. radiant and glorious thank you thank you thank you no it was fun it was fun yeah so before we get started uh i wanted to talk about your guys's south by panels right yeah 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 because voting for that is happening right now so if you <laughs> care about the panel or the programming at south by southwest uh brianna has three panels that are going on and christina you have one right Yes. Alright. So do you want you wanna talk about yours a little bit? We talked about it last week, but we talked about it last week. Yeah. So so just it's Christina's channel, Think you Like you a know, Troll, Act Like a Brand. It's happening. Or yeah. being voted for. And Brianna, your panels are Can VR deliver more emotion than movies and games? Yep. Which cool oh my God, that looks really interesting.
1: And Well, we have some really cool VR people on that, too. So that's really cool. Then there's uh, another one on, you know, harassment culture. And yeah, then there's a what was my third one on? Your third one is the power
0: of perception, media and women in tech
1: yeah yeah so I'm really uh, excited about that there's been a bit of uh, controversy about those panels this week so <laughs> shocker as I know I know it's great having a swarm of bees following you around for your entire career laying waste to anything that you do it's awesome I love that so I would love people to vote for my panel. yeah panels. I'm really that interested the in current... the
0: media and women in tech one because that's kind of yeah. about things that we've talked about on this show yeah. like how the media yeah. treats Ellen Powell how the media treats I mean Carly Fiorini things like that so yeah, that sounds super interesting. Yeah,
1: I, mean, I don't want to get into a long thing on this, but, you know, there were a lot of pieces that came out today on, you know, Ashley Madison, basically yep. that going really wide. Um, And, you know, there really isn't enough news there to make it a, a new tech topic. But, you know, in relation to what we're talking about right now, I was really kind of um thinking about the coverage today and how much different the tone uh was of this versus say the the celebrity um you know like uh you know nude photos that came out that were basically you know they had no agency in that so it was kind of a sex crime and just looking at the difference (laughs) in the tone of those two hacking attacks so that is the kind of topic i think we'd be talking about
2: yeah. No, what's interesting, just to have a brief aside on the Ashley Madison thing, I know that's not one of our topics, yeah, but that yeah. was something that we were discussing a lot, you know, at Mashable. And I don't, I don't want to get too into kind of our internal process, but it was something we were very uh-huh. aware of. And frankly, we, I think we handle the, the celebrity sex scandal stuff really well. Oh, the, you did. Not sex scan, sex, but you know, the the nude photo scandal really well. But it was one of those things where we were very consciously trying to kind of be aware, like these are real people's lives at stake. And just because someone's email address is in a system doesn't mean that they actually have an account. And mm-hmm. just kind of trying to, you know, limit some of the easy to do kind of schadenfreude stuff. But I do think that that's a really great point, Brie, that the, the way that, that was covered, because, you know, the ratio of those accounts was six men, six to one in favor of men, um, is very different than the way that the, the, the you know, celebrity nude photo leaks were. A part of that, I think you can say, is because public figures versus private people. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, the salaciousness factor is a little bit different, too. But I do think that it's there's there's a gendered element there that's that's worth discussing, and I I hope that that um that all of your panels get approved. I know you'll only be able to speak on one, um, if that happens. But uh, people should definitely vote for for all of your panels.
1: Well, um, as I understand the rules, um, because VR is different than women in tech, and I didn't submit any of them. It's it's kind of amorphous there, so we're going to have to figure that out. Yeah, you have so, to see. Yeah, yeah, I know in the past yeah. that
2: they've told me that I can only speak on one panel.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. We'll see so, how it goes. Regardless, yeah, you yeah. you
2: want at least one of them to get through to the you know to to the programming phase. So so yeah, vote cool. for all of them, and that'll give re, you know, the best chance of one of them working. We'll
1: see which one goes. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah. I I guess I would. in I just want to stress this. Like. The the thrust of the pa- the pieces that came out today, like I agreed with all of them. I thought uh Casey Johnson had an excellent one for The Verge. Yeah. I, I love her work. Um, you know, so I It was I Casey definitely Newton agree. actually. I'm sorry, Casey Newton. I am He's barely here today, guys. <laughs> um yeah, no. Um, you know, I thought I, I totally agreed with the tenor of it. Um, you know, I just would like to see that same high standard <laughs> taken to apply hacking uh, no, affects agree. women uh, as well. Uh, uh, so. No,
2: absolutely. And, and and I and I think I was actually actually impressed that the media didn't go more moralistic on yep. it um because they did a month ago and and there was a lot of Schadenfreude in and, it and then there was some blowback to that and and we made a point like even when I wrote my Ashley Madison is bleeped article I made a point not to make that a, a moral judgment on anybody whose data might be there at all it was just more saying the company is screwed um but yeah you know it's uh but but I agree with you it's been really interesting to see kind of the Um, the instances there although i have started to see they're 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 starting to put things in other ways like i saw on um, cnn um when i was walking into this room we've got tvs all over the place that apparently divorce lawyers in um,
0: new york city are like their phones are ringing off the hook seriously yeah is that dramatization from the news or is it
1: Legit. You know, I had a really hard time reading that into it today because I read like three articles on that same thing. and It's like obviously in, you know, the divorce lawyer's interest to kind of make it seem like, oh, this Bigger is than a it huge is, yeah. thing. But I did read three separate stories on it yeah, with like nine I mean, different sources. So, I mean, honestly, yeah. at this
2: point, I would say they're probably overstating it a little bit. But I can see a lot of people, you know, check, you know, they've got these site checkers out there. I mean, you know, you're interested, you check and you see, is, is my email in there? Is my spouse's email in there? Like, what's, yeah, the, what's the yeah. deal? And if you were already having problems anyway, if you were already going through stuff, that might just be the catalyst. You know, I mean, for, for, for when you're talking about 33 million people, that's a lot of, I mean, even though you've got a lot of fake accounts, that's, that's a lot of, you know, real addresses and real people that could be hit. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's one of those things where, um, There probably is going to be some business uptick for for certain people. Um, And as as I said last time we talked about it, what will be really interesting will be when the first-class action lawsuits start over this.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. That'll... (laughs) so I I, I feel like we have to get into this just a little bit more. And like, I want to ask an ethical question, because I was having a really deep discussion with a friend of mine today. And, you know, she and I were discussing, like, well, you know, are you gonna check your spouse? Are you gonna check like your friends or colleagues to see if they're on this list? And, you know, the position I took on that is like, look, if you... Kind of, like, if you're worried about your marriage, like, that's fine. That's your business. Like, go check that out. But, like, I kind of feel like it's gross to, like, see everybody you know who's on that list maybe, you know? It's I been don't know. really
0: I, – I get that. I feel the same way when I when people are tweeting things about their spouse's, like, private yeah. lives and the dis, um, disagreements that they might have. It just feels very – like, I, I don't want to know about that and I, I don't want to check up – on anyone that I know who might have been on the site. I don't care, first of all. But right. it just – it seems – I don't know. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's we made the decision not to run a, a separate story about any of those, you know, check your check to see if you're on their their list things. We right. made a conscientious decision not, not to do that. And there was some debate about that originally. In, 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 in and a couple of us were very much in favor of not running that story because we said, you know what, this feels gross. Um, there's not really a utility being served as in most, you know, have, has your email address been hacked stories, which we typically do. And and they typically, to be totally honest, do quite well traffic wise. We made a decision not to do that story. Um, and I'm not saying that people who did it were wrong too, but we didn't do it for a couple of reasons. One, and this was one of the more interesting technical details that came out. Um, your email address with Ashley Madison was not verified. So you could literally sign up with any account Mm -hmm. and it would be in their database so that's why so I could you know, be Tony, signed up for it. You could be. I mean, this is why Tony Blair's email was there. Like, who's genuinely thinking that Tony Blair is going to use his, you know, <laughs> Prime Minister email address for Ashley Madison? I mean, are are are, are you kidding me? Like, there's there's no way. Um, and 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 so. Um, for people who were journalists who were looking for salacious like celebrities and other things like that, like that seems to me like that's a red herring. Um there were, you know, thousands and thousands of bug me not addresses used yeah. in there, for instance. And and obviously people had burner accounts. But but there's no way to prove definitively unless you were able to maybe attach something to a, a credit card number. The last word is just of a credit card number with someone which a uh, one individual might, you know, be able to do to to do another. You know, if you're a spouse or something else, but there's no way we're just it's kind of a, a commonplace thing where it's going to be easy to to find out is this the same person? You know, did they pay? Did they do these things? And so writing one of those stories of how to check just seemed a little bit gross and, and didn't seem like it was serving in any real utility. And that it also seemed like actually there are very valid cases to be said that. I didn't sign up for an account under this name. Maybe somebody who has a vendetta against me did. Maybe yeah. I have a yeah. common
0: email, about it. maybe somebody mistyped, whatever the case may be. So you can't make that assumption. And that's something you mentioned in your piece, that there were so many burner accounts. And Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that one of the sites that kind of checks it all, um, you know, they made the, the ethical decision that, you know, the, the person that coded the site that lets you check it said he was actually worried that people would commit suicide over this. So he, wow. he made an ethical decision to kind of require you to have a verified account before you could check any of the data up against it. And I thought, you know, I, I was very happy to see that, you know, I think that it's time that, you know, I, I have to say this, like, one of the weird things that you, when you do become a public figure is you slowly start to experience more of your friends and people that you know, being in the news like that, right. That happened today with someone I really care about. And, uh, same you know, me. yeah, and it's just it's, it gets really gross to kind of see like, people's lives taken for entertainment do you know what yeah. i mean so no, but, uh, my, my, a friend of mine
2: was was trending on twitter today and yeah and uh we're talking about the same and, person yeah, yeah. probably
1: was, yeah. and
2: and someone who I, i've i've known this person since 2008 and and it was very bothersome and yeah i mean and i think that there is something to be said i think about like kind of there's something kind of gross about the voyeuristic aspect of i think some people kind of sifting through the stuff to try to look for information and so as i've kind of looked through the data i've done everything I can not to actually look at personal identifiable stuff. I've been trying to see if there are greater patterns, what we can kind of learn about how the data was leaked and and maybe where it came from. And I'm working on a story um, kind of uh, juxtaposing this with the Sony hack and and basically asking the question is that, you know, do corporations, you know, corporations need to stop um, giving lip service to security and actually put real money behind it and have real um and in organizations that you know whether they're really valid or not, but but organizations that people uh pay for and respect to have, you know um you know different different uh, uh policies in place and and certifications in place need to start having sort cert- of uh, data storage certifications and 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 storage requirements for companies to be certified a certain way you know to have audits and that sort of thing. And if you're a company of a certain size, especially if you're a publicly facing commercial service you know there should be audits that you go through to show that you're storing stuff in such a way that whether it's an internal leak and or as it was in this case or or some sort of hack or something else um that people won't be able to um you know uh take down your business um without a fight because what was one of the interesting things that came out the guardian reported this was that a month before the hack internally at Ashley Madison or at Avid Life Media their, their parent company they were talking about what are the big risk factors facing this business and one of the first things it said would be what if information about you know our users was released to the public and someone on, high up you know on on the on the team even said what would happen if there was an internal hack are we prepared are, are, do we have systems in place to prevent Leaks from the inside? Do we have things in place to make sure that, that that sort of information wouldn't get out there? He's like, I'm not confident that we do. That was just literally a month before all the stuff was released. And so there were some people at least who were aware of the fact that they probably weren't storing things and and, and practicing the best data policies they could. I mean, this was another thing we saw with Sony was in the the more personal uh, business document stuff that was leaked. You know, there were things like PayPal addresses and Windows server, um, you know, passwords and and, and addresses and other kinds of information kind of interspersed Mm -hmm. near customer data and implying they're kind of on the same network. So it's like, that stuff shouldn't be together ever. At all.
0: And And um, that really does. I mean, when, like you said, when the lawsuits start coming, that. Those quotes are going to be very, very,
1: oh yeah, relevant. Oh, yeah. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And I mean, and that's, I mean,
2: so that's kind of a, a story I'm working on. It's kind of saying like, what can businesses kind of learn from this? And I think what you learn is that you can't trust that good enough is good enough. You know, you've actually got to invest in this, especially if the value of your data is that important. And, and this, I mean, that's doubly true for. I mean, that, that's true for almost any business, but it's uh, but that's
1: quadruple true, 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 true for, for, for Ashley, Ashley medicine. Exactly, they have no problem product without privacy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, all
0: of our lives are are stored in data now and I don't think that the the public demand for secrets is going down at all. I think quite the opposite. I think we have this idea because so much information is available to us, we have this idea that all of the information should be available to us. So when something like this comes out, you see this reaction of like I need to check and see people if, if, if I know people who are on this list and I mean the hacks keep happening more and more often so the people who really need to get their stuff together are the companies who should be protecting this data but again i don't really trust in that
1: yeah i think we're gonna have to um eject our iphone strength topics. so maybe we'll just <laughs> link to that video instead so. that
0: would be fine with me yeah. So, yeah, you know, hey. if I can
1: just tell people super quickly what's about, like uh, the topic that we just <laughs> kind of decide not to do. It was a really cool, uh, video from unboxing therapy that came out today. And, uh, you know, they, this guy obtained one of the, um, you know, alleged iPhone 6s shells from, you know, the distributors in China and actually brought it to a material science lab, like people with gadgets so you can hook it up to it <laughs> and analyze the exact structure of what's inside of it and kind of um did scientific tests to determine if this one is more bendable versus the old one and yeah, we should point that, out that the guy yeah. who did
2: the video is the guy that basically made bend-gate. Bend-gate <laughs> a thing yeah.
0: yeah yeah it was really interesting and then the link will be in the show notes so you can check it out it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, And now before we get into our next topic, I'm going to tell you guys that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best in class mobile checkout experience, and they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add similar experience to your own apps. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration. It's with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection and fantastic customer service and fast payouts. If you want to learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com rocket slash rocket Do we want did we want to do the iPad Pro rumors first? Yeah. No, Heck that's a great yeah. story. That's a great story. So. Um, APSY's analytic logs have discovered that a new iPad, um, an iPad that has tw- 2,732 by 2,048 resolution, or yeah, resolution, um, has appeared. It's it's called. Or it is listed as the iPad 6.8 and this is rumored to be the 12.9 inch iPad Pro that could be announced this fall. Ah. Uh. And
1: <laughs> whoa, <laughs> that was a deep sigh
0: i I'm deep sigh- i when I wrote down my notes, I apparently just squashed all these numbers together as if I could read that many numbers when they're squashed together <laughs> so this is this is cool it's at this with with these stats it would be bigger and higher res than the surface pro 3 and so Apple it, it indicates that Apple's kind of in the final stages of testing the new release and that that and the next phones which are rumored to be the 6s um, would be coming out very very soon
2: <laughs> yeah I mean I think the rumor that, that I've heard is that there would be and and there have been other reports I think it was a uh, um, um, uh, 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 Kim Mike Cutler, uh, I think, was the one who said that, that um, production might start on this in September, which would lead us – I think that maybe it's an October launch for the, um, for the iPad Pro. But I would not be surprised if they announced it at the iPhone event um, in September and then you know, came out with it uh, a month later.
0: Yeah, I heard I heard late 2015 or 2016 release for the iPad Pro but sooner for the phone. And yeah. an analyst for KJ Security said that has been saying that the iPad Pro might have force-touch-enabled uh, force-touch-enabled stylus that ships with it which is something that has been rumored for a while and I think one of right. your coworkers at Mashable wrote about it
2: yeah um, yeah
0: I mean that's something that's definitely been rumored for a while they've had some patents
2: for some styli thing I mean and it's one of those things a lot of Steve Jobs you know fanboys and girls will well, we'll comment. Oh, you know <laughs> he said if you see a stylus you 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 um, you you missed it you know like uh, you failed you blew um, it. Yeah. yeah you blew it that's we have what it 10 is. You
0: styluses it. on our hands uh,
2: but so, but yeah. Was you but but if they're real Steve Jobs aficionados, what they should realize is that the first time you know that Apple's going to do something is when they say they won't. Um, maybe you well, saw about that with, Steve
1: Jobs' ability to change his mind, like over the course of his life, how about that one? Yeah,
2: right. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Remember, yeah. remember, well, I'm just saying. Remember when he talked about like. Well, I mean, when he talked about, oh, there's no need for a color iPod, and then there was the iPod color, and oh, there's no right. need, need to have video, and then right. the video no iPod came out video. like not long no, after. Oh, we're never going to make a phone. Absolutely. Oh, you know, <laughs> seven-inch tablets are ridiculous, and then it proves, shows that that was like the iPad mini was in development before he died. You know, there mm-hmm. are so many instances of, of him flip-flopping um, that I think that if they did do a stylus and it was, uh, you know, force-touch sensitive, that could be cool. Um, I would, I you know, it... I would hope that it would be kind of an accessory and not a necessary or even encouraged part of the interface because I think part of what makes the iPad work is the fact that it, you know, works, you know, touch only. But having said that, if Apple's going to release something this big, they would be silly to not look at the very large third-party market for, uh, you know, for styli. styli. And in fact, there's been kind of this, this market for Bluetooth styli that are designed, you know, to kind of try to keep, you know, be but work on the capacitive screens while also accounting for things like, you know, where your wrist is positioned and, and not having that interfere. And none um, of them work yet. None no, of them.
1: I mean, I've tried know, every one of them. I've tried paper. Yep. I've tried JOT. I've tried every one of them I mean, and none and, of yeah, them Jot, work. Jot well. Jot
2: makes most of them. I think that you know they do the they do the one for Evernote. They also do the one for uh I think that they're basically doing the insides for Adobe's, which is quite good. You know, some of the software stuff works, but you're right, you know, paper has theirs, uh the pencil or whatever. But yeah, you're right, they all have issues, and it's probably gonna be one of those things that would require and I've, I talked to Adobe about this before they released um, their – the stylus, which, um, you know, was something that they kind of had like a pet project internally. And they even acknowledged they were like, you know, we're to a certain degree hamstrung by the hardware limitations because – to make something that would really work well and it's on an iPad, you're probably going to need, you know, really direct hardware access, which only Apple is going to be able to have. I mean, digi- you well, exactly. Know, Christina,
1: I paid my rent for so many years using Wacom products. You know, like before I was doing software engineering, I was doing freelance illustration. I've, and you know, like I've owned the Intuos one, Intuos two, yep. Intuos three, Intuos four, Intuos five. Yeah, and you know, like. Have you ever had can, a Cintiq? I love the Cintiq. I I have at different jobs where they've given me one for <laughs> free. I've never gone out and blown two grand on one myself because I can't justify it when the screen on is so crappy compared to the 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 MacBook I'm using. Yeah. Um, also, I of, draw some of really the new
2: Cintiq, yeah. Although some of the new are, Cintiqs the are really nice. They are. The HDs look
1: really good. HD, but, yeah, yeah, uh,
0: so how would this change the the use of the iPad in a in an enterprise setting? Because this is also going to be with iOS nine, so it'll have the split view the and split view. Awesome, honestly, that will look really awesome. Well, I mean, I think such be- a big screen
2: well, I mean, I'd love to hear Bree's perspective on, on some of the other things. But the first thing that comes to my mind is honestly, and ironically, this is an area Microsoft has been touting since they were doing their very first tablet PCs in the early 2000s, and that's, you know, writing notes um, and 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 drawing things and kind of, you know, because if you're thinking the enterprise, a lot of people use them for presentations, they use them for sales um, tools, they use them for, for CRM entry. Um, it's a very common use case for, for tablets. Then this would aid with that a lot, you know, for just being able to write things down, especially if they had some good, you know initial you know handwriting recognition stuff um kind of go back to the 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 newton roots but i could see other categories especially maybe if you're in in cad or or in in some sort of you know design fields or other sorts of like maybe highly technical or specialized fields having custom apps that could work well
1: okay i have i have to say something about this i have to say something about this okay so i am beyond skeptical About the iPad's ability to position itself in the space for exactly what you just said, Christina, which is the ability to use professional apps. Um, I can use about $2,300 of Maya, which is $4,300, which is a tremendously complicated program. And that is a paradigm that it's not just that you need a mouse, it's that you need a three button mouse and you have to memorize like a ton of esoteric things for panning, zooming, scaling, all these different things. There is no way you will ever be able to do a Maya on a touch screen. You can do it in like baby talk for kindergartners or students (laughs) or like, you know, hobbyist stuff, maybe, but it's just not possible because it's just thinking in that space just doesn't translate to inexact movements. Um, And it also like for things like weight painting requires doing a lot of data, you know. Anyone that is a creative professional at Photoshop knows the keyboard shortcuts by hand. I can hit marquee, zoom, all that Mm -hmm. stuff, quick mask in my sleep because you work in that so much quicker. And that's why even with a stylus, even if Illustrator, Photoshop, After Effects, you know, these professional applications ran on the iPad Pro, even if that happened, you know, the interface is always going to be a poor cousin. So like, I have a lot to say about this. The only way I see this working with Apple is if they brought their suite of a products out to work on the ipad pro along with it because i do use final cut 10 a lot and i can imagine final cut 10 actually working with this pretty well yeah, though I, how you would reference a the, drive the, the whole, with the, a lot the whole time would yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: But, but but i think final cut 10 also i think motion and and and, uh, motion. Fr- and frankly logic because so much of that the yeah. way the scrubbing the timeline stuff has changed with those programs would i think be really uh it would be it would work with with, with
1: kind of a, a stylus. My question I think though, less with motion, but definitely with the logic. I think logic yeah would logic work would very be a good well one. Here is yeah. my
2: question for you because I don't disagree with anything you're saying, and I'm certainly mm-hmm. not saying they would be successful. But what would you think about more custom applications when I think about enterprise? So not so much the kind of the existing tools like maybe not the Mayas or the AutoCads or the Photoshop's, um, and and. Uh, whatnot. But, you know, if, if people were creating custom tools to use this sort of input me- uh, mechanism, you know, like kind of like the partnership they're doing with IBM, where they've created, you know, already, you know, a couple hundred apps that they're doing. And most of these are not going to be things that regular people, you know, interact with day to day. But if you were able to build something, you know, custom for your business, um, would, would that be something you would think that a stylus might be able to be useful for? Or
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like the Google Glass thing we were talking about a while back, mm-hmm. where they're kind of developing custom hardware for it. And that- that is the I you know, we were talking to Steve Lubitz in the um, you know, the relay FM chat, which works for a, a giant soulless corporation in a way <laughs> that none of us do, you know. Um and he was talking about seeing like executives at his company like really, you know, demand like these kind of tablet applications. So I can see that going. I can see like, you know, custom thing like uh have you ever had to work in retail, Christina? Yeah, you worked at yes, Best Buy. Like I when I worked at GameStop, I can very easily imagine. And, you know, having something like this, mm-hmm. but like as far as it being a popular mass consumer product, like let's be really honest. There is some analyst data that's come out recently yes. that really puts the future of the iPad in question. And I'm not saying something crazy like you know this mark is just going to vanish it's not but like when steve jobs introduced it he said he believed this is going to be the most important thing he ever did and i think history is clearly proving him wrong on that i think it's something the most important thing was the
2: phone um, right.
1: Exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I
2: agree. there there were a couple of things. I mean, there's there's kind of the analyst story you talked about, and that, that was linked a lot of, John Gruber linked to it. I think Marco did too. Yeah. Um, kind cool. of talking about how people are, you know, the, looking at the iPads growth curve and seeing that actually the, the the sales decline has been worse than we've expected. If you look at it quarter over quarter, but there was also another interesting study that was done in the UK. Where they asked people in different age groups what device they would miss the most, and um, as expected for older people, meaning 60 and up, it was mostly television. Um, for uh, a lot of people, you know, our age, it was the phone. For some younger people, it was gaming consoles. Um, really? you know For some people, wow. yeah. Um, I mean, very young people, but but it was <laughs> um, I mean, it not like the youngest, but like like the like I think maybe like, like 10 to 10 to 14 or something. I think it was game consoles. Um, you know. But the tablet was one of the least missed items, and um, I, I was going to talk about it on TV. I ended up talking about something else. But my thought with that, reading that da- data, was that it made sense, but not so much that I didn't think that you know, I, I my takeaway from that wasn't that no one would miss a tablet because that's not true. No, the it's problem not true. is you wouldn't miss it the most. Because a tablet, and I think what, what, what's proven to be true and was kind of a lot of us kind of expected, and, and certainly what my initial anticipation of the iPad was, if I look back and see my writing from 2010, was I wanted it to be this kind of great companion secondary device. And mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's a great second yeah. or third device. You know, your phone is increasingly your primary device. But for a lot of people, especially, you know, if, if they're our age or so and they're working, your PC is still kind of one of your primary devices. So but your phone and your PC are basically your primary devices. And then you have like your tablet. And so it's it's one of those things where you enjoy it, you like it. And and I love my iPad and I would be very sad if someone took it away from me and said you can't have this anymore, but I would live. But if you took away my iPhone or if you took away my laptop, my MacBook, <laughs>
0: i would not so be I'm, able to if i'm live. holding your devices at gunpoint christina and you have to choose one and you choose your phone you shoot the ipad yeah yeah
1: yeah i'm yeah. shooting <laughs> your ipad right now in, iPad. In, in, yeah. if you're
2: playing screw Mary kill um, see, see oh. how I'm, I'm nice oh, yeah. for a thing if i'm playing that you know like I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna screw my um my laptop i'm gonna marry my iphone and i'm gonna kill the ipad yeah. um it is, it's how that Same. works for me and, and i would probably honestly as much as i love my laptop and as much as genuinely to my day-to-day life that's probably more important for some things. I would still choose my phone over my laptop just because my phone over time will become will be able to do more of what my laptop does, whereas my laptop will never be able to do what my phone does.
0: I was just going to ask, do you think if Apple had come out swinging and done more of this enterprise stuff trying to bring, bring greater use to the ipad in the workplace do you think that this they it would have been a a more valuable device right now i don't think so i don't think so and i don't
2: think it's invaluable now i think there are a couple of things at play one i think we still haven't figured out the life cycle and the upgrade cycle of this device is probably mm-hmm, four yeah. years which is about what you get with a pc um and about twice as long as you get with a phone um so it's about four years um the second thing i think is that and, and a lot of people predicted this and and to their credit, Microsoft predicted this. I just don't think that they did it the right way and um is, is that eventually what is going to happen is that your Macbook and your iPad are going to become the same thing. yeah, um it might not be in the sense where you know you're doing it the way the surface does it, where it's both the touchscreen and has the keyboard and has the dual operating you know kind of things and like the operating system that's trying to be two things at once, but at some point, they are going to become the same device because mm-hmm. there's just no reason for them to be separate so i think that in some ways steve jobs might have been right but i think what he misunderstood was how much people really power uh, you know value the portability of their phones and how much bigger phones would get and people would be comfortable with them yeah. because you look yeah. at some phones out there especially people in asia use and they are many tablets you know google yeah. released a nexus 6 that is phone is too big for anyone no one should ever use it that thing is a tablet though <laughs> but and and so you know it's it's six inches. It's insane, yeah. and um and it's wide, and it feels like you know. But but it's smaller than an iPad Mini, and so for a lot of people, that that's the cutoff point. That, that that that's that's the place. That's you're like, okay, this is kind of my device. I can truly do anything. Especially if at some point, and this is not a very Apple move, but some other companies are doing this. If you think, okay, you know, I have my phone, and I could plug it into um a monitor and have a keyboard and then turn it into my computer if I needed to do that. you know, Or I could have maybe another dumb screen and maybe turn it into something iPad-like. Um, these are all possibilities. So I don't think that going after Enterprise first would have made any difference. I think but, that but it's I just... But I have
1: to give a little bit of pushback on that because I think okay. iOS has gone into Enterprise with every single common sense step that you oh, can. Agreed. Like LDAP, mm-hmm. LDAP, like oh, you know, Microsoft Exchange oh, Server.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree, yeah. I agree I mean, completely. I'm I don't think they've the been sitting around on,
1: saying like... Oh, I Oh, we don't care about this at all. I think like they've been working with, and you see Microsoft apps, like they brought over, we talked about that. So, honestly, honestly um, yeah. I,
2: I think they've done a better job in enterprise than anybody has. And that was because yeah, the first people that. that adopted the iPad, other than like fanboys, were businessmen and executives. And I started to see them all the time. I mean I remember when I was writing heavily about iPad apps and kind of the iPadification of, of the web and kind of the, the big you know, trends that were happening five years ago and continued for a few more years. So many businesses were going iPad first. It was even more important to them than mobile first for some of their apps. And that remains that way because like, if you think about it, if you've got a big sales team rather than equipping them with laptops, which can be more expensive, can be, frankly, harder to provision security-wise um, and can oftentimes not have access to some of the apps which are now existing in this mobile world. You know, if you're on a Salesforce type of system or something else, you know, you can give them iPads. You don't have to deal with Windows. You can create these custom software apps that are great. You can still do the other stuff. And they can go into a meeting, connect to their laptop, show people slides. They can interact with it on the screen. They can do stuff. It's got a camera on it. So if you needed to capture information, you know, to enter into a form like a QR code or a barcode or a photo of something for an inventory system you can do all of that um, the iPad is kind of the perfect enterprise tool so yeah. I-, I agree with you completely on that I'm simply saying that if they made it their focus from the very beginning to say we're making this an enterprise focused product I don't think that would have made any difference right um, but that
1: but that brings it into my my point about this that in you know I have two major things I want to say here you know, sure. the first is I believe i've seen enough evidence because simone it's not just this one story we're talking about today like we've seen constant developer like code fragments of this and, and reference to it within apple software for quite a while now and there's there's just so much smoke that you know they're clearly yeah, bringing this out they're, they are uh, what, I, I was what I think to is important, first, but they're definitely doing it Oh, yeah. And I'm I wouldn't say I'm opposed to it, but I think it's what, important what I to say I, I, sure, I thought sure. that it
2: was a lie at first. I thought, oh, they will never do this. And, and then what what's what what changed my mind completely was at WWDC when they showed the dual mode the on multiple, the apps. Yep. And I went, oh, OK, this is for the bigger iPad because that'll work on the smaller iPad. Fine. But what that's for... It
1: really
0: belongs on the big iPad yes. with the a and right. processor. Yeah. exactly. But
1: but what I was going to say is, I think it's really important to set expectations with this category as we're going into it. And, and let me tell you why. Because, you know, iPad is not, I believe, destined to be a wildfire consumer product. It's exactly mm-hmm. like you said, Christine. It's something that you upgrade every four years. I have an iPad mini... Um, you know, the first retina model, it's great. I use it every once in a while to play XCOM and to surf on it and to show things to my husband. It's not something I need to run out and replace every year. So in that same way, I think the iPad Pro is going to be more in the Mac Pro category than it is like, say, the iPhone category. I think it's going to be something that, you know, corporations buy. I think it's going to be popular with older people whose mm-hmm. eyes aren't so great. And I think it's going to be something that's going to do well. I don't see it like being something that really lights things up, but I do think it's going to kind of bridge this gap that you're talking at Christina about kind of urging higher level professional software to be made for the iPad. Yes, because mm-hmm. if they really put something graphical in there, that can run Logic, that can run Final, you know, Final Cut Ten, Final Cut Pro Ten. You know, I can see that happening. The second point, and to me, this is the the more interesting question with this is. You know, I know it's very fashionable in kind of Apple circles to bash the Microsoft Surface, but yes. I sure know a lot of game devs that mm-hmm. use that and know and love it. It's I a know great a lot machine. of reporters use it. It's a great laptop. It. It, it it is. I don't like Microsoft stuff but that is something that very clearly has a market. So what I find myself asking is I've seen so many people Frankenstein these kind of quirky keyboards to their iPad, trying to like make it a laptop. I, on one hand, I kind of want to believe that maybe Apple's coming out with something that would kind of compete with the Surface. But on the other hand, um, you know, we were talking about this in the Relay chat today. I don't believe that Apple will ever introduce, like, a mouse for iOS. I think it's a layer of indirection. I think it would make surfing exactly. on it, very clumsy and awkward. You know, Jason Snell was talking about how there's this, um, this new feature where you hold, in iOS 9, where you hold two, you hold um, two fingers, fingers down. to the screen yep. and it kind of acts as a cursor for words. It does. But I just, I just don't see that being used to do tap targets. I mean, no. what do you think? Yeah, No,
2: I don't think that would. Be. I think it's perfect for editing documents. And yeah. it takes place on the keyboard, which is really notable. So it's like that keyboard area is where you have that selection, not on any other place. And I'm with you. I think that it would it would disrupt the paradigm of that we've kind of seen with iOS, which is you don't have a keyboard. I mean, or a mouse. Or rather, you don't have a cursor anywhere. It's not like Android, which is one of the reasons I think Android still to this day suffers sometimes with touch targets. And I love your opinion on this, Brie. I think is because the way it's coded, it, it's still ultimately seeing everything as a pointer device rather than kind of seeing like the, the 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 finger is as more you know um, uh, free form.
1: I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah.
0: And so the styluses in this case would just add more specific... Make your, make your finger touches more specific exactly. rather than I mean, functioning it, it, as a mouse.
2: Right. I mean, that that's how I would feel. I mean, especially if they're doing some of the force touch stuff with it as, as they're claiming to. Um, I think you make a great point, Brie, about kind of the, the Surface is a great device. I think the Surface Pro 3 is where they really hit their stride. And, and we wrote a lot about this. And, you know, they kind of were getting there with the first couple. But the problems with the early services and the ones that most people criticized and the ones that a lot of people still think is the Surface was that it was trying to be an iPad. And as soon as Microsoft stopped trying to be tablet and just embrace the fact that it could be one hell of a laptop, Mm -hmm. it's a great device. Um, So my question though is uh, kind of on the same level, if you look at the size and you look at the screen resolution and you look at the presumed specs and a lot of levels, there's not a demonstrable difference between the new MacBook and this iPad Pro. So my question is, I mean, if you think about it, they're about the same size, about the same resolution. You know, the ARM processor that they're going to be using is probably, and the GPU is probably on par with what the Intel offering is on the MacBook. Um, Really? I mean, I would think that at this point it probably is, because because the the Intel they're using on the MacBook is you know a a dual core one point two, and it's um you know running super low at like thirteen watts, and um you know it, it it's that that core M or whatever they're calling it, um so it's it's uh, super low powered, so I would assume you know the ARM stuff has gotten really good that it's probably in some at least synthetic benchmarks would be performing as well. I mean. As we saw before, the iPad Air two basically was basically performing in a lot of ways as good as like a twenty eleven you know MacBook Air. So.
1: That's if actually, you, I, I'm surprised you can compare that because it's ARM versus Intel. And, yeah, well, you know, well, this uh, is where geek- we can get into system engineering with the chip chipsets, but yeah.
2: Right, well well, 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 Geekbench Geekbench has done a good job of trying to normalize that. And so the scores aren't identical, but, but the, the guy who runs Geekbench has done a really good job trying to normalize that. So what I'm saying is you might be able to get some similar stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I wonder, especially since the price point too, is probably, you know, I'm thinking for an iPad Pro, you're probably looking at a $1,000 product. Do we think that I guess at a certain point does this kind of reflect? And Apple does this a lot, where they kind of release two really similar products that are only slightly different in certain ways. But what does this kind of mean? And and as you said, you see a lot of people adding these kind of franking keyboard things to their iPad, um, you know, to, to their iPads now. Do we think we'll ever see a touchscreen Mac? I mean, historically, I've I've always been of the opinion of no, Apple will never do that. But I. It's weird now because it does feel like this iPad Pro is going to be stepping into that hybrid line more than they've ever stepped in it before.
1: I mean, I feel Ugh. like Apple's kind of they're in the Wild West, right? Like they they clearly see the overlap in these lines, and I think they're moving towards that. I I think it's like wait until we see what happens. You know, yeah. I mean, personally, in you know, full disclosure, you know, like we're doing a major expansion in the VR space, but I think. That the future is going to be more in AR and VR, like operating systems. I don't expect us right. to, you know, be staring at screens forever and touch pads. So sure. I I don't know. I kind of think like I personally believe will, we'll, right? yeah. I I think and then yeah we'll be interfacing with our brains directly. I I expect us to go to that next tech level before that becomes a problem. But you know, I think it's. It's good for iOS consumers to have professional-level apps on iOS. A really good example is Pixelmator. I've tried every single product that exists on iOS to come up with something that will let me do basic Photoshop stuff on my iPhone, you know, like blur out photos or color right. correct stuff, and it just doesn't exist. It just, I've tried Adobe stuff, I've tried everything. The new Pixelmator is a superb product it is really 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 well done. It's not very efficient and even on my iPhone 6s, you know, it's it's um I'm sorry, iPhone 6 plus, it's very chuggy. So I think I I think we'll get there, but I I think we got a long way to go. Does that make sense? I don't know if it's Apple's goal. So Yeah.
2: I think I think I think that's some good points.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Gosh, shall we roll on i want to hear one more thing from you simone one more thing for me i'm just thinking about force
0: touch and how we've now we now have force touch on the macbook and it's Mm -hmm. theoretically going to be also on the ipad pro so i see and and on the iphone 6 and uh, on the iphone 6 so i see kind of maybe a move in that direction but i'm not confident enough to say like they're definitely going to be smashing those things together in the future but I do think it's interesting that that is now I think officially going to be the trend. Not not trend as in a you know a fashionable thing that will go away. Sure. But the you know what is what, what we can, bleh, what we can expect moving forward is force touch and being able to interact with screens or devices, however we interact with them, being able to interact with them based on pressure and sensitivity.
1: So I I guess my question for you would be this, though, like you edit video for Pixelkin with your job. And, um, you know, as someone that works a lot with Final Cut 10. I frequently run into documentary people that correctly criticize Final Cut for not being able to work with live archival footage. Right. That's not what I do, though. And it seems like it's not really what you do. Like, you might go do a day shoot for Angry Birds. Like, can you, as a potential consumer of something like this, imagine doing your job on, like, if there were good software for it, would this be something you would be interested in?
0: You know, I'm not sure that I can imagine it, just because, like like you were saying earlier, with all the keyboard shortcuts and stuff, that is something that is really important to me. And I I work in these like tiny this space of you know minutia, cutting small bits off videos, putting very small things together, and that's not something that I can imagine doing in such an abstract way as as you know with my finger dragging things around. However, I will admit that. I think we could get there in the future. Sure. And when I was thinking about – because I used to use iMovie to do this stuff. And the way that the iMovie interface is, it's very, very picture-based, very drag-and-drop kind of – a drag-and-drop kind of style. And something like that I could see working with a touch interface. But what I do in Premiere, Premiere Pro with Adobe, it, it doesn't – I don't think that it would translate
1: I don't. I don't see how you hook up a large amount of storage to it to get it to work. Yeah, it like yeah. would be one of the bigger man. problems. Yeah. yeah, it would. Yeah. Be <laughs> true. Yeah, now, no.
2: what about a stylus? Because I have seen a lot of people over the years use and video editors actually using Wacom's to yeah. scrub through and and be yeah. very efficient. You know, having that kind of combined with their keyboard. But so, would, but having a stylus and having maybe some shortcuts, especially if you were, you know, getting used to the thing. We, I've also well, seen some interesting
0: people. Well, I guess that's where the Force Touch comes in because if there were ways to do cutting and trimming and things like that with forced touch that might change the game.
1: Yeah, it's not going to be a stylus. Like, you know, I used motion, I, I spent all of yesterday doing work in motion. And, like, if you're doing curves and like doing Bezier curves, you know, that's something that, you know, I do bring out my Wacom for. Because you can, it, it's just better. So I can absolutely see it for something like that.
2: Yeah. And, and what about, like, I mean, I've seen people do some amazing things with, like, the leap stuff, where the leap motion stuff, where they, you know, have, like, almost been, like, audio edit like, audio or video editing, like, with their hands and gestures. Oh, my so- God, that
0: would be amazing. I haven't. Which, use that at all. Which ever, I but. mean,
2: I, again, I mean, I don't know if you can maybe get the same level of finesse that you might always need. But I think for certain applications, there's a case we may we're probably not there. We're not there yet. But you could start to build these apps with these sorts of interfaces that would eventually replace some of the, you know, the keyboard shortcuts we we've, we've, you know, learned so well, um, if it made more sense, you know, if doing a certain gesture would cut
0: looking at where looking at where the market is going, I think Since video is so in demand and we we need to produce more video than ever, if we could get that up to – if we could get something like the iPad Pro software up to a point where you could very, very quickly put out a video that looks fine and is precise enough, I think that that would be very, very interesting and useful.
1: I I have to say this. Um, You know, at our studio, we are – asking ourselves a lot about the question you just asked christina because you know um one of the the core problems i believe that people make I- in vr situations is handing people like a ps2 controller or even if you look at <laughs> oculus's controller it's way too complicated so we have spent a lot of time asking ourselves well can you translate those kind of movements into reality and it's not just leap by the way like intel has a, a in my opinion, more interesting product uh, that's out on the market right now, kind of in that same problem thing. Uh, but like, if you look at the Mio, like, which is this armband you hook up, it measures your tendons. Yeah. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. I would love for it to work, but it just doesn't work. And Leap just doesn't work. It, no. It, it, like not as well as a mouse. And Intel's thing doesn't quite work yet. And I, I... I'm just not sure. I don't know how we get there. I think you need some. I, well, it's I going think going to need some... to make some mistakes before we get to a point where it works well. I think it's a really hard problem to solve and that's not an engineering team i would want to lead yeah so, i mean I was yeah. real-time
2: motion capture is in, in in translating that into actions and you know where you're not having lag i mean yeah that's that's a really tough it's problem really hard. especially yeah. you know if you think about taking like it's one thing like when we're on laptops and you have like the processing power and the you know kind of the the other things in place but if you can even try to imagine taking that to like a, a mobile level where you have you know more power constraints and doing some of that processing so much it's going to take up more battery and other stuff like mm-hmm. they're, they're a lot of challenges okay. yeah.
0: and then again it comes back to speed like you need to put something out i have a machine that does that very well it's not very <laughs> portable but i mean I, hey well, the mac pro is very portable <laughs> you can carry it under <laughs> your arm That's like, true. A that's true if i were working with a mac pro that would be a different case yeah we'll get you a mac pro ha <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh wow um, we're all over the map to like this is a great episode but we've just been like <laughs> i don't even know what we planned for today so i don't
2: know we were supposed to be tired and now we're it's becoming like one yeah, of our best shows yeah, ever yeah
1: yeah no i agree i agree this uh, crazy episode yeah. of
0: rocket is brought to you by squarespace where yeah Yay! where you can start building your website today at squarespace.com and if you enter um code, special offer code ROCKET at checkout, you get 10% off the beautiful website that you're going to build where I will come and read your work, look at your work, or buy the things that you are selling to me. Uh, so when it comes to making yourself a place online there is nowhere better to do that than Squarespace. They give you all the power in the world. Too much power maybe. And they take away all the pain. Which, you know, sounds, sounds wacky. <laughs> <laughs> sounds dangerous almost, but Squarespace can do that for you. They can make building a site that looks professional incredibly simple, No level of, no skill level of coding required. Their tools are intuitive and easy to use, and you can make that website look exactly how you want it to look. So if you've ever suffered, like many of us have, on the wheel of building a website that can stand up to all the thousands and billions, thousands and billions of other websites that are out there today... You should absolutely check out Squarespace. Their templates are beautiful and responsive and they're absolutely affordable as well. You can start a free trial today with no credit card required and start building that website. And if you run into trouble, which happens to everyone, even with super easy to use things like Squarespace, they have 24-7 support with live chat and email. So you can get started And launch your next website as soon as possible. Uh, Visit squarespace.com to do that. If you decide to sign up, make sure that you absolutely 100% know bones about it. Use offer code ROCKET. Get 10% off that first purchase. And to show your support for us. Because you love us. And you love what we do.
1: So, yeah. (laughs) You are so good at that, Simone. Like, I want to pay <laughs> you so to like good. come to our company and just read the instructions for everything to me. Because, I can, like, I can do really that. that.
0: I can do my funny but little voices.
1: You can. Can I tell you all? Like, um, I probably shouldn't talk about this on the air, but I'm doing an investigative piece right now. Um, that so a common way that women are harassed, and I've been harassed, is through SEO manipulation by like basically. Um, putting stuff out there and like running it so up that someone's search results for anyone is polluted. And there are actually paid services out there to go after them and to like sabotage someone's SEO results. So what I'm investigating right now um, for, well, I can't talk about it, but I actually bought a bunch of Squarespace sites over the weekend, like trying different tactics with working with Google's tools to like rank positive stuff and constructive stuff That's accurate from real publications, like, you know, mashable with reporting and standards. uh, So that moves up higher. So, uh, yeah, we bought a bunch of Squarespace sites this week, and I've been discovering some really awesome stuff about that. Oh, that is super darn cool. Yeah. Well, it's something people need to know how to do, right? So, yeah. So,
0: in this dangerous 21st century... (laughs) Starting at $8 a month, you can sign up for Squarespace, get your free domain name, and remember to use offer code ROCKET at the checkout. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting us <laughs> once again. I hope you like me. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> wow, that got dark again so What? <laughs> you guys just because i want to be loved squarespace please love me (laughs) please love me i I think that's gonna be the next romance novel from that guy it'll be about a girl who just longs for brands to love her yeah she would do anything uh yeah i think that's fair
1: (laughs) yeah You should totally, no, you should not professionally uh, read out one of his novels for him, for Audible. I'm telling you, if I could get
0: paid to do that, I would do it. If you're still listening, guy who wrote the book about the (laughs) iWatch, just email me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Simone, Simone.
0: I might have to use a pseudonym, but I would absolutely do it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, Audible has like a huge section. Like I was I was looking on Audible uh for new books and I'm like, wait, what's this erotica? There's a huge erotica tab, and there's like a giant giant section of like erotica on audible um so i was talking to my cousin renee about this and she was talking about all the because she's um she runs a professional theater in colorado and she was talking about all the actors and actresses she know she knows that come up with pseudonyms to record that stuff without ruining their (sighs) career because it pays so well
0: (laughs) you know there's a a south korean reality show uh called golden Mask king or something like that where like famous musicians go on and they wear a mask and they'll sing a song and it's supposed to be people vote on you know who it might be and it's supposed to be like a way to see who the really good singers are without judging them by like how they look or what famous group they're in you you mean the voice i mean the voice (laughs) but they're actually like famous people so (laughs) anyway wow are we moving on this is I'm Salty sorry. Simone. Sorry. Salty
1: <laughs> Simone showed up for Rocket today.
0: <laughs> you got like Sleepy Simone in the first half, and now you're getting Salty Simone. My question to you guys is, do, are we going to actually talk about the Microsoft license agreement, or are we just going to roll into dessert?
1: Let's, let's talk about it super quickly. Okay.
0: So there was a big kerfuffle on the internet over the last couple of days because of an updated Microsoft licensing agreement that talks about pirated software and not being able to access counterfeit software, I'll read the relevant part of the licensing agreement right now, it says sometimes you'll need software updates to keep using the services, these being the services that are basically, that use your Microsoft account. Um, We may automatically check your version of the software and download software updates or configuration changes, including those that prevent you from accessing the services, playing counterfeit games, or using unauthorized hardware peripheral devices. There was a big kerfuffle about this because it was assumed that this meant that if you had ever pirated a game and we're playing it on windows 10 that microsoft was going to scan your computer and find it and then prevent you from ever ever playing it again um, if you look at the services that are listed under this it's not the windows 10 eula it is for services like xbox live um, basically first party microsoft and xbox games uh, so Basically, they're doing kind of the same piracy measures that they've been up to for a long time, keeping people from pirating Xbox games, which is something that they care a lot about for really good reasons. Um, That's my summary of this issue.
1: (laughs) Can, can I tell a quick story to kind of um to talk about this issue and, do. and what I believe happened. So um at GSX when we first started, um, we had employment contracts drafted uh for for all of my employees. And I didn't really look at it because I'm not a lawyer, you know, someone was paid to do that for us. And um I handed one of these contracts to someone that was reasonably famous, and they sent it back to my office going, What the frickin' frack? Because there was a clause in it that said in your compensation for doing X, Y, and Z shall be $1 plus other valuable consideration." And then the blank next to it was like a dollar amount that ended up getting written into there. And it was really professionally embarrassing. Um And I go back to the, the legal team and I'm like, what happened here? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, in case we wanted to do something like that or, you know, we just wanted to be versatile. Because that's the way a lawyer yeah, yeah. thinks, right? So, like, you know... These agreements aren't written by, like, marketers. They're written by lawyers. Mm -hmm. And it it really comes across as, like, Microsoft watching their own butt to me. And on top of that, like, it's one thing to have a legal right to do something in a, you know, in a license agreement – it's another to like have the software architecture in place to automatically <laughs> delete stuff. So I that's, thought this was a tempest in a teapot. Like, that's what did something you all that think? I
0: think expert review mentioned is that the idea that Microsoft would be able to accurately scan everything and then remove the things that were pirated is it's it's impossible. It would be a huge amount of man hours. It would result in many many mistakes, um, and. I mean, what they do right now, you know, if you don't have a properly licensed version of whatever, and you're trying to connect online, you can't use that thing. So that it doesn't seem to be, to me, to be out of out of what they have been doing so far. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, that was kind of my take. I mean, it, and it was funny because when I first read it, my initial thought was, "That's really messed up," um, and and then when I re- thought about it, I thought, "Well, actually." The EULA doesn't make it seem like they're going to be going into anything that's not already part of their domain. And yeah. 3rd Microsoft software will be affected. It, Steam right, it games. It could be yeah. Microsoft games, although... For a lot of those cases, I kind of doubt it Um, unless those games are tied into the Microsoft update system somehow. I think it's mostly one of those things where if you're doing something with Xbox, you know, Connect or Xbox Live, if you're doing something with Xbox One, if you're doing something with, you know, things you've purchased from the Windows Store, I think that's a very good possibility. If you have like pirated things that maybe were pirated copies from the Windows Store, you know, so it made it appear – In in that way, they'd be like, hey, you're not gonna be able to get updates, and we're gonna disable this. But I think anything like Steam, anything you're downloading from other sources, anything you're doing otherwise, I don't think, frankly, they care. (laughs) And I don't know if it's in their interest to care. Yeah, I think
1: it would destroy Windows, like if they started caring. And yeah, to your point, Christina, um, it's worth mentioning, they already do this on Xbox. Like there are people that get copies of games before it comes out. They kill their XBLA account and they disable the game. So oh yeah, no, it seems like, the like, like a continuation. Yeah, oh
2: completely. I mean, that's like that's like everybody's worst nightmare. It's like you don't want to pirate Xbox games because they will kill your XBLA account. They will sometimes yeah. even blacklist your console, and then you're like, <laughs> Salt Screwed. The earth. And You're like, what? And and at that point, it's like, okay, well, I can play on my Xbox, but I can't do XBLA. Like seriously, what's the point?
0: Yeah, yeah. I. Th- mm, yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought this was the worst of clickbait journalism. I, I really did. Yeah.
0: It really, it really, it kind of illustrates for for me. It was interesting because the headlines were all very, very dramatic, and then you once you got down into it, it was like, where? Wait, where is the story? And then the articles started popping up of like, guys, chill out. It's fine. Because I mean, this it it's not really a, a change to the terms of service per se, as it is just like you said, yeah. Bree, them protecting themselves and saying, "Hey, we don't actually want you to pirate stuff," but you know, the well, where they'll they'll they, where they will enforce that is with Xbox, and I don't think that there's any real way to, and, th- and you know, that's a harder it's harder to pirate things for Xbox anyway because of the hardware. I don't think that we'll see any changes with Windows specifically, and like you mentioned, it doesn't specifically target Windows ten at all. It targets yep. all Windows. OS. Been a liar. So what are you up to this week, Brianna?
1: Uh, I got to actually sit down and do development this week, which was, which was amazing. Yay. Um Yeah, I kind of burned out on Twitter and I'm just like, hey guys, you know what? I'm really going to develop my game and ship that and not waste time on Twitter. So, um, no, I did. I got into the office this week and I have to tell you guys, I used to, like even three years ago, I had this attitude with GSX, like I will always be in the trenches doing work along with my dev team i will always do that and what i realized today is the reason like like a lot of engineering group leaders don't do software development is because people are bothering them every four seconds and like every 30 (laughs) seconds today like i'm sitting there i'm trying to code i'm trying to do my job and it's like you know coding is well so coding is like building a house of cards so someone can go hey i just need like a second and then they come and swipe your house of cards it all smashes to the ground because it (laughs) takes so much concentration to like get into this groove and figure out what you're doing and have progression and it's been it's been really weird to like get back to work when my job is so different now than it was when we shipped around 60 so uh that's what i've been doing this week we're also going to pax dev uh amanda and i next week which i'm super excited about and yes and
0: i am picking you up at the airport and you're gonna keep reminding me about that you are going to be (laughs) in someone's car that's amazing I'm going to vacuum the interior of we my vehicle. We someone
1: tweet someone a picture of your car <laughs> photoshopped into a Knight Rider DVD box. Yes. So that's... <gasps> oh, oh, oh. Yes. It's going to be great. It's going to be
0: epic. Yeah, that's great. It's going to make my dreams come sit- true i am excited i'm pretty excited for pax that's kind of what's next on the schedule for me uh we have our panel on monday which is loving what you hate how to engage Ooh. with problematic media and that'll be me and my old peeps from the Lab, the digital future lab which i did not want to be called the dflab but that became the nickname for it that's because- terrible
1: that's a terrible name <laughs>
0: If you know the people who work there, it's a wonderful name because they're wicked, wicked jokesters. Um, I shouldn't. It's a University of Washington facility. Anyway, um, so we'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about Catherine rather than Bioshock Infinite, which I've been talking about for three years. And I'm just super excited. I hope that uh, somebody bludgeons me to death with a Skylanders figurine. Um, (laughs) I'm really not excited for Skylanders Superchargers, but I am at the same time. I made it weird again, you guys. (laughs) No, you're good.
1: You're good. (laughs) You are fun weird. Christina, what are you doing this week? You're going on all media. Yeah, I'm going to see. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm 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 flying to Los Angeles uh, on Thursday, and I'm going to go see Taylor Swift in concert on Friday with on Saturday rather with my wonderful friend Stephanie Booker. Uh, she's I am Steph B on the Twitters. She's an amazing person, an amazing friend. I'm so 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 happy that she invited me to join her. Um, and I'm going to have a blast doing that. And and work related. I think I'm doing some stuff on Ashley Madison. I don't even know. I really – what I care about is I'm seeing Taylor Swift um, (laughs) in amazing seats on Saturday in Los Angeles. That's what it's all about. It it really is. Do you have
1: your own CNN show yet? When is
2: that going (sighs) to happen? I wish – keep pressing them. Keep telling them. Be like, this girl needs to be on more. I
1: don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Where ridiculous. should people
2: send
0: their, their CNN fan letters for uh, you? You should send
2: them to film underscore girl on the Twitters. And uh, you can find I work at Mashable.com. And if you follow me this weekend on social media, I apologize in advance for the barrage of Taylor Swift stuff that will be coming. But there's just really no stopping it. I mean like I was <laughs> contemplating – I, I spent so much on plane tickets I can't do it. But I like – I was contemplating like buying like one of those nice Sony – rx 100 mark 3 cameras just uh-huh. because i wanted to get really good photos um actually hmm ray ray has one maybe i, I don't know if he would trust me enough to uh, <laughs> to, to to like borrow it because i would totally take care of it but i but i might like ask and be like hey ray ray can i borrow your camera
1: are you not able to like walk into a camera shop and go christina warren no, i'm not just i'm it not <laughs> you
2: know what surprisingly yeah. not a thing not not a thing that they allow me to do sadly
0: Incredible. What kind of world are we living in? That's what I'm saying, but whatever. Whatever. You'll be close to Taylor Swift, and that's really all that matters. Oh, it really is. And it's it's oh, you guys, I can't wait. She will witness you. And Brianna, where can we absolutely not find you and contact you in any way?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm taking a Twitter break for a bit. So uh if you well my my office reads it but um yeah if you want if you want to get in touch with me send me an email (laughs) the old-fashioned way
0: giant space cat has a twitter right so if people want to get updates on what the company's doing they can check that out
1: yeah yeah i think we have a facebook page i don't run the department so yeah someone someone handles that
0: (laughs) and you can find me on the bird machine at doom quasar and at Pixelkin.org, where i'll be crying about skylanders (laughs) for the rest of my life (laughs) i love you simone thank you i love i truly do love skylanders i'm just in this very bitter place right now why why because of the freaking mobile digital card trading game that they're releasing yeah it's kind of lame probably in you know ripping off well not ripping off hearthstone hearthstone because they're in the same company but I'm sure borrowing a lot from that, which can make it either very good. I said in the other podcast today, they're taking like the best free to play game and the worst pay to play game in terms of, you know, spending a lot of money. I think it's very good in terms of the quality of the game. I love Skylanders and they're mashing those two things together. So maybe they'll end up with like a good middle ground there in terms of not ripping people off. But um, I'm very inundated with Toys to Life right now. And I feel like we're reaching a point where the the, the medium is eating
1: itself wow wow uh yeah now you're making me feel bad because i went back and forth with steve for about 20 minutes today arguing that that story was not newsworthy enough for Isometric. so now you're making me question that so yeah yeah.
0: It's okay. I, I want Steve to write an article about it because he this is totally off topic, but um he you know, he has daughters, so he has some interesting things to say about how the kids engage with Skylanders, which I think is more relevant than what any of us think, um, from my point of view, having such a quick release cycle year after year with all these new figurines and new game that with pieces that aren't necessarily compatible with old ones, that is getting old very quickly and i think that even kids can see that um so i really want him to talk about it he's going to write an article about it though so you don't need to make him talk about it on all right cool cool yeah anyway wow so if you like this show rocket that i'm on (laughs) <laughs> that we are all on please rate us on itunes because we super duper appreciate that and we will see you next week the, at the, scheduled the stars time.
1: on itunes are rated in your perception of simone's awesome weirdness so if you don't think she's very <laughs> awesomely weird that needs to be one star. But if she you think she's super awesomely weird, that's definitely five stars.
0: hmm Actually, I mean we we changed it so that you can only ever put five stars in. You can't don't even try to put in one yeah. star because you'll find that it's actually impossible. It will just convert to five. Yeah. So true star That's you know <laughs> we rigged it. This is a good show, everybody.
2: It has been a good show. Thank you for, for listening, guys.
0: <laughs>
1: Terminated. Terminated.
2: Terminated. Terminated.